0: The creative industry. With me, Olivia Savage is your host. Here, we talk about all things arts, and each week, I'll be joined by inspiring Max creators to discuss creative careers as well as burning topics in the art world today to keep that creative mind of yours in action. Happy Pride Month, everyone! Welcome to another episode of Island Artcast and today we have lots to talk about. So. On the show, our usual structure is to release two episodes every month addressing different topics. And in light of Pride, this month, we're dedicating both of our June shows to discussions surrounding LGBTQ in creativity because there's just too much to fit into one episode. Today, I'll be talking to musicians who also identify as LGBTQ so to jump straight in, it's no secret that the Isle of Man has a history of being behind the times with embracing diversity and change and the ever-growing education out there surrounding the LGBTQ community. We've come a long way in recent years, it has to be said, and to give a little history to our listeners, 1992 saw the first drastic change to law when private and consensual acts of male homosexuality were decriminalised. From there, things continue to improve, so employment protection against discrimination came into legislation in 2006, gender identity recognition, um, meaning that transgender people could change their legal gender was passed as a law in 2009, the right for same-sex couples to adopt children was passed in 2011, and more recently, same-sex marriage was decriminalised in 2016. So it's late, but it's happening. And today we're going to unpick how that has affected people from the community during their life on the island. So my first guest today is Jenny Smith. Say oh. hi, Jenny. Also known as Soundcheck Jenny. Jenny from Soundcheck. <laughs> <laughs> and Soundcheck's Jenny runs Soundcheck, which is a music project for young people and also in a band called Half Naked Headline. And so to give a little background about how you're involved in the community, is, um, you are gay and you've been... Yep active for many years in sort of supporting and protesting LGBT rights?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was already... I already knew I was gay when I first moved to the island um, when I was 14. And uh, it was very obvious, not that I didn't face discrimination where I used to live, but it was very obvious when I moved over here that um, it was something that was quite... Everyone was very ignorant about it. I say yeah. everyone, but everyone that I came into in contact with, at least, especially within my school. Like, I was out at home, but when I moved over here, I wasn't out. And I did everything I could to to not be noticed as right. as a gay person and um, because I knew that I would face extreme discrimination. It didn't last very long. Uh, I told one person, and it's the Isle of Man. Yep. So the next day, the entire school knew. Uh, and since then, really, because... I was kind of forced to be out. I just had to be out and proud and loud about it because I thought, well, I don't see many other people fighting it. Mm -hmm. At at that age, I'm sure there were people much older than me that were, but at my age, there wasn't anybody else fighting about it. So I was like, well, if I'm the only one, I've got to fight for myself. And if I'm not the only one, I've got to fight for the people that aren't out yet so that they can come out. Yeah. And that's kind of been my involvement ever since.
0: Yeah. So it's like you didn't intend to to initially come out as that, but you're like, I'm here now. It's got out and we're going to talk about it kind of thing. So my second guest today is Cara Vareto, who also helps out at the sound check. Cara is non-binary and a drag king. Mm I am indeed. And (laughs) last but not least, um, my third guest is Mathia Lace. Oh, wow. Mathia (laughs) is the bass bass player, that's right, of Half Naked Headline and is transgender and a drag queen. Yes. So... All of my three guests have grown up on the island and so know well of how the island embraces diversity and despite your individual challenges, all have found acceptance, um, freedom and friendship through their love of creativity. And they've come on today to share their stories of navigating through the world and the power of creativity. Um, Welcome to the show, everyone.
1: Hello.
0: To give a little context, you're all friends and you all live together, right? Right. More or less. More or less. together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all friends and yeah. these guys live together and I'm around a lot. So. Right, okay.
0: Mm. Like an honorary housemate. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> Jenny, I'll start with you. We talked about it a tiny bit um, just before, but what was your experience like of growing up on the island and how has the LGBTQ plus community helped you?
1: Well, that? like I said, you know, I moved over to the island uh, when I was quite young and it was at one of those ages where... You're still trying to find yourself and figure out your identity, um, but I did know that I was gay from quite a young age, mm-hmm. um, and you know, moving over to the island, the way that people seem to view homosexuality uh, was very negative, negative. Um, and I, I guess it it felt quite lonely at the time because I, you know, I felt like I was kind of one of the only ones. You know, there there was a couple of older people that I kind of met when I first moved over. There was one or two gay gay men. Uh, not very many gay women certainly not in my school but well, there were they just weren't out obviously um yeah. and it was it was difficult when i when i did first come out or rather when i was dragged out by somebody in my school and mm-hmm. um, you know I, there was things that i was getting into fights people were throwing food at me and and rocks and all sorts of stuff like that and name calling and uh you know i, I had to get i had to harden up pretty fast yeah you know when i did eventually find my place within the community which was you know as as a young person attending and um, the youth club which was a youth club at the time called soundcheck um it wasn't that anybody else there was lgbt or anything like that it was more that it was just a, a kind of acceptance
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know um and i felt like i'd kind of found my people and i and I got into a band and stuff like that and that's kind of the thing that i suppose helped me focus on the future a little bit more because I was like, well, there are some people that will accept this. There mm-hmm. are some people that are okay with this. And it tended to be, at the time when I was young, at least the more creative side of people that were like that.
0: Yeah. I suppose with creativity as well, like, people need to express themselves yeah. through something. And so if you can all find that common ground of we're all going through something here, whether, you know, whether that's how they, how they identify, mental health issues, whatever. Yeah. And they kind of need to feed themselves through that. Is that kind of how you found yeah, like-minded people? Yeah,
1: that's kind of how I found like-minded people. And, like, at, at the same time as well, you know, back then the word tomboy was used quite a lot. Yeah. Um, which I was described as quite often. And, uh, like I said, within, within that, that club that I went to, I, there was very few girls. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. I, I was kind of like, you know, and... There was a few girls there that I was in a band with and they were all absolutely fantastic and accepting, but they were all quite girly as well. So I st- still felt like I didn't quite fit in with them. Mm-hmm. And then when I met all the lads who really didn't care about my sexuality, you know, that's where I really felt like I'd found my place, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then that led me on to finding another youth club, which was, is uh, it was very new at the time um, and it was LGBT youth Mm-hmm. Um, and again that was in its infancy and the staff themselves were still learning and it was right. a bit of us teaching them just as much as they were teaching us sort of thing yeah. um, and that's still going today and it's, and it's grown massively but you know that, that really helped me as well to see adults that that did actually accept me if yeah. you know what I mean and weren't just like oh you're too young to know your sexuality or oh it's just a phase or whatever do you yeah. know what I mean they were, th- they were there to help and it was nice to see that you know there are other people outside of my age group as well that actually see us
0: for who we are yeah yeah um matthia the same question to you what was your experience of growing up on the island here
2: well i was born on the island and everything else mm-hmm. and uh my parents were problematic to say at least i grew up with my dad who was very homophobic and very traditional based mm-hmm. my mom also didn't really understand sexuality and everything else so growing up inside from a very young age I knew that I was I thought I was just a gay boy growing up I never told anyone but inside I was like this is the normal thing because that's all I knew yeah and uh when I turned about five six years old that's when I started looking at my sister and stuff like that and I was like I want to be like you Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like a I want to be like your personality and everything else like i knew that i wasn't gonna have the same body as my sister and everything else and i remember sitting my mom and my sister down and asking them like i want to be a girl i think this is the right thing for me Mm -hmm. and they both sat down and told me everything wrong about being a girl all the problems and everything else and um i just kind of repressed those feelings back and I was like, they've made this sound horrible and everything else. Like, no, I don't want to be a girl in that case then. And as I got older, there was other issues in the family. um, And there was a lot of arguments, a lot of trauma and everything else. And I eventually was forced to come out to my family when I was 13, 14 years old.
0: Wow, um, so still really young.
2: Yeah, uh, it wasn't my choice. It was my brother who found out from one of my friends um, who told him that I was bisexual. And he told my mum on her birthday and then I kind of got cornered in the house and obviously it not being the right time, I felt very attacked by it and very forced into it. So I tried to segregate myself from people mm. And I remember because at the time when I was about 13, I also started Soundcheck um, and Jenny was working there and I ended up going there and telling Jenny about it and Mm -hmm. what happened and she helped me through a lot of it to try and calm me down and get me to go back home again and just have a talk with them about it. And then when I was about 15, 16, uh, these feelings of wanting to be a girl again, started coming up as well. So it was a very questioning point. Uh, I was also going through a lot of like mental health issues and everything else, and again, family issues were still continuing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started trying to explore more about clothes, makeup, dyeing my hair, and uh, I had a small group of friends who I was close with. And when I say small, it was about two or three people. They didn't mind like who I was mm-hmm. and everything else. Like, I used to get bullied for the way that I looked and just for trying to find out who I was, people in the public eye weren't supportive. My parents weren't supportive. Um, whenever I tried to walk out the house with just some makeup on, my mum would be the first one to be like, well, can you not get ready at your friend's house? Like, what if the neighbors see you leave the house? And I was like, no. I can walk out this door with a full face of makeup on if you can, so I'm going to do it. I learned very quickly who I could trust and who I couldn't. And I knew that my family weren't people who I could trust with these situations. Mm -hmm. Like, my dad basically disowned me as soon as I came out when I was 14 years old and stopped contact with him. He was not a nice person. Same with my older brother, I stopped contact with him because he was not supportive either and was just like our dad in very many many ways. When I turned 18, I finally managed to move out. I finally just felt a lot of relief that I didn't have to have people looking out over my shoulder 24-7. That's when I started buying the clothes that I wanted, dyeing my hair the way I wanted it, able to go out on nights out with full face of makeup and look how I wanted and feel how I wanted. And that's when I finally came out as transgender to my friends. And I was expecting this whole scenario of people being like, what, really? Like, oh my God, like, what is this about? But everyone who I told was just like, okay, (laughs) do you want to come out for coffee tomorrow? Like, I'm free. (laughs) And it's just like, what? Like, where's this whole big thing? Like, everyone's been at me all my life about questioning the way I looked and how I was and everything else. And they just made it seem like... It was just the tiniest thing in the world and it was just like well that's you that's fine like yeah. that doesn't change anything so that was a massive change to my experience in life that was finally when i was comfortable of new people who i'd meet on nights out i would come out to and they'd just be completely fine about it some people were very questioning some people were quite negative but the majority were very supportive of it and it's helped me push through today to help other people out and be like there is a community of people who do agree with you, do support you. And obviously I come from a family that disowned me now. But that's the best thing about being in this community is that you can choose your family and the people who support you and the people that you want to surround yourself with. But through the years, there's been ups and downs. It's mainly been positives, but there have been a couple times on the Isle of Man that I've realised still how backwards it is and how in people's heads It's still not a thing. They don't believe it's a thing. You're just mentally insane and shouldn't be allowed out in public and maybe should say like a trigger warning. I've been attacked twice on the Isle of Man for being transgender. One of them was quite bad and I ended up in hospital. The police tried to help, but that was three years ago now and they know who did it, but he still hasn't been arrested
1: first time you were attacked, the one that I was there, I remember speaking to the police officer and they were kind of trying to make out like it was just like a drunken fight when actually what happened was Mufi was stood outside the takeaway and there was a group of people in one of the flats across the road and they started shouting things down at her and you know videoing her and stuff and, and they came down and, and you know eventually they attacked her. I turned around and said you know this is a hate crime and the police officer at the time said, no, this isn't a hate crime. I'm from England, I've seen hate crimes, this isn't a hate crime. And I'm like, how is this not a hate crime? Like, they were attacking her simply for being transgender and they just completely refused to see it as that. And those people were never brought to justice either, were they? No. It was just written off as, oh, it's just a bunch of drunk people
0: just having a fight, Yeah,
1: which mm-hmm. is absolutely not what it was.
0: That's so crazy. And you think? do you think that's like to do with the sort of small community on the island and this sort of sheltered attitude, I guess, towards, you know, Mm. not being as progressive.
2: I do think that a lot of people on the Isle of Man, including people in the police force and stuff like that, who are very much still, if it's not seen, it's not a problem. There's a lot of LGBT police officers who I've spoken to, and they're very supportive and have always tried to be helpful in every way that they can.
0: You know, I have to say, obviously not to distract at all from the real struggles that you've gone through, but... I'm completely in awe of your story. Like, the the way that you're now here and talking about it is just incredible. And the fact that this your journey started from you recognising something from as young as five years old, you know, when you're really trying to figure out what the world is, as well as, you know, at that age, as well as yourself. And it comes across to me like it's really through the power of... Knowing who you are and believing, really believing in that and finding even just because I know that you said um, you had a small group of like two to three friends, Mm -hmm. but that's really all it took for you to take that first step and being like, I can start, I can start talking about this. I can start, you know, being more confident in this and I can start expressing this and stuff. And that's a really empowering story. So I'm I'm entirely in awe of you. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that with right. us. And um, Clara, I can't see you from the, from the mic. <laughs> Sorry, I I'm coming mics. over to you. Can you share your experience of growing up on the island and your journey?
3: Yeah. So um, I suppose in contrast to Mathia, I've got quite a different backstory. Um, for me, my mum was like a core support in my upbringing. She uh, supported me through everything. She never questioned or made me question who I was. For as long as I remember, I've always been interested in girls. and never questioned it. In In uh, primary, I gave um, a girl flowers because I just thought they looked pretty and she thought oh. she was pretty. I didn't really have any friends during primary school. Primary school for me was quite tough. I knew I was different, but I didn't feel different. I just felt like I was kind of a mixture of the two. But actually knowing the term non-binary at the time, I just knew I was somebody but with the wrong plumbing or whatever. It was only when I got to high school, you know, I first learned the derogative term for lesbian, that I was like, that's me. It came about that somebody who did come out uh, got absolutely publicly ridiculed. And that was around the time I thought about coming out to my friends. And yeah, so throughout high school, I uh, repressed a lot of thoughts and feelings. Reflecting back, I did have massive uh, gender dysphoria. I, I thought at one point that I had to be a boy to be with a girl. And then it was only when I left high school and I went on a holiday for a couple of weeks with my mum. I don't know what it was, whether it was a mixture of just getting off the island, the holiday itself, or the the fact that my mum supported me, that I I managed to be able to express who I was. Came back to the island, went to college, and college was the best thing for me. I was able to explore gender and sexuality. I had my first relationship there. After finding out LGBT youth club, I actually found the word non-binary and it fit. It was also around the time that I started to get interested in boys, but not in like a sexual tense. Mm. And I was like, what, what, what is this? Because for me, it's kind of the opposite. I've always been like, I'm interested in girls, blah, blah, blah. And then I had an epiphany of like, I'm, I'm straight. No. Yeah. So it was quite, quite a very different contrast there. So I found terminology that fit right for me, like panromantic, uh, ghanosexual and uh, non-binary. And that's who I am. Um, however, it's, it is easy to just say I'm queer because I'm all colours of the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I I was uh, fortunate to uh, be able to explore this, and with the support of my mum as well. Um, I love the pieces, and she does an half try. Uh, she has struggled with me being non-binary. Um, she does sometimes worry that you know she's gonna lose her like daughter in that respect. But she's not horrible or like makes me question anything. She's just trying as best she can, and I respect that. She's uh, a, a real blessing in it. Without her, I think I don't think I'd be half the person I am today. After leaving, leaving college, <clears throat> I found that work, particularly, I struggled to come out with. I found it very, very sexist environments, quite cis-normative. If I wanted a uniform, it was either you have to pick in ladies' wear or men's wear. And it's like, well, I, right. I just want something that feels comfortable. If I questioned what in like, men's shoes, um, it'd be like, well, Why? why would, why would you want them They're like well, you've got perfectly good shoes over here, and it's like, well, <laughs> they feel uncomfortable, yeah. you know, and it's nothing to do with the gender aspect. it's just clothes at the end of the day and I found a friends' group as well that are a mixture of LGBT and really been able to find my confidence as well of my gender identity and my sexual orientation and actually my like own confidence and personality as well. When I turned eighteen, I started experimenting with having a beard and generally dressing more masculine. Um, so using a binder and a packer, um, which is like a fake penis essentially. And yeah, feeling really confident and really like empowered to be able to do that. And especially with being involved with previous uh, charities, Manx Robo Association, and now being involved with Isle of Pride, I went out to clubs to see what they would respond to. Having somebody who is... Uh, you know, non-binary, uh, or to some others presenting as, you know, possibly trans. For the most part, found it quite, quite good, but there have been a few incidences with bathrooms. Uh, I had one chap in Bordellos. I went and used the loo and came out, and I remember him, I was just washing my hands, and I looked in the mirror, because... Um, it's my, it's your instinct to be a bit, obviously, on edge. So the door opened and he just made like eye contact with me immediately, I walked over, put his glass down, and he was like, you're in the wrong bathroom. And it was only, thankfully, that I had, um, my mate at the time flew out of the bathroom, you know, half on zipped, like, hi! And then actually, thankfully, knew the lad and just distracted him when I got out of the situation. But, you know, if he wasn't there, my mate, I don't know how that would have went, especially with the the fact that he just went in there just to talk to me he didn't go into the bathroom which i felt very uncomfortable but i didn't tell the bar staff i didn't tell the bouncers because i didn't feel like it would be believed i didn't feel like it would be even remotely a concern to anyone quite frankly unfortunately that's how a lot of lgbt people feel most part of our lives i think anybody who's bullied remotely feels like they won't be taken seriously Mm -hmm. i was in year seven just going back a little bit i uh Was very into my sport, so it's very androgynous looking. And um, my first PE lesson, I walked in, all the girls in there just stopped and looked at me and squealed and was like, Why is there a boy in here? And I just groaned and went back to the PE teachers and was like, Can you please convince them that I'm a girl at the time? And um, I've been picked on throughout year seven for looking or not convincing others that I'm a girl. Um, I remember one person individual, in, in particular, actually held me up by my collar in year seven and just like presented me to their friends. Like, isn't it a boy, isn't it a boy? And then it was only when their friends were like really embarrassed by what they were doing or whatever they were thinking, uh, ran off that she like threw me to the side. But it hasn't damaged me as a person. It has kind of made me realize that, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential for growth and education. Uh, obviously, those experiences were horrible at the time, but I felt they were short-lived, and especially having the support group that I have now, friends and my mum as well. Um, it's really made kind of that comfort in knowledge, in support, in just being able to have a good time as well and mm. going back onto present day. It's mostly why I became a drag king. Well, not only recognised that we didn't have a drag king on the island and I was like, fine, I'll uh, I'll step up. Um <laughs> yeah. And um, poetry is uh, something that I do as a drag king currently, but it's something I've always done. Um, It was always just like a pastime thing for me. It never really dawned on me, excuse me, Um, until I um, did a poem for uh, National Poetry Day and just read it through with Jenny. Jenny was quite taken aback that I had the skill, which I didn't really think it was a skill or anything, Um, but I was quite flattered and uh, I put it on Facebook. And the amount of feedback it got, it was just a, a poem that I wrote myself called The Shadow and it's basically about uh, hide-and-seek, playing with the kids, what I used to do with uh, a, a ESC. Yeah, it uh, really took off, so I just thought, I'll, I'll do that. And it's been a way to be able to express uh, my gender identity, be able to express hot topics and important moments in uh, in my life as well as others um, in a kind of entertainment way with like a bit of comedy to it as well. But yeah, I don't think I would have got here without all the experiences of my life, particularly, again, with my friends and my mum as well. So, yeah, it's kind of... A lot has uh, accumulated to where I am now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because of a lot of support as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's me.
0: (laughs) And thank you to all of you for for coming on and sharing your stories today because I know, like you were saying before, you must get asked a lot of questions, a lot of the same questions a lot of the time. But I think it's really important to create a space where you can just explain from your point of view Mm. you know and one thing that i always think is a huge problem for the isle of man in particular and this sort of sheltered attitude of not being as open to embracing change and learning new things but i think what a lot of people now are trying to do is normalize that conversation of if you don't know that's fine too you can say can you can you tell me you know
1: i I think i think ignorance breeds hate and then people teach other people that hate and it's just a cycle yeah so what what we do with with our with our music and what cara does with their poetry is it's, it's it's much about expressing ourselves and possibly getting our frustrations and anger out there you know you see us on stage and like i'm like really angrily shouting at everyone i mean it's a punk band what you expect but you know, it's it's just as much about getting your frustrations and your emotions out as much as about educating
0: people. Hi everyone, my chat with Jenny, Cara and Mathia addressed so much to do with LGBTQ on the Isle of Man that we decided to split this show into two episodes. Part one has reached its end, but you can tune in to part two in just two weeks time to carry on spreading awareness throughout Pride Month part two will delve more into the power of creativity on both exploring your identity and mental health and using it to reach out to others and delivering important messages to the public we hope you enjoyed today's episode and welcome you to tune in next time if you are listening to this on its release date on friday you'll be getting psyched for tomorrow's pride celebrations at the villa marina cara Mathia, and jenny will all be helping out at the event to spread love and awareness of lgbtq so make sure you head down to celebrate pride but before you do that go ahead and hit subscribe or follow or rate us or whatever your podcast platform lets you do to support the show. Thanks to all our listeners out there and to my guests today. See you next episode.